You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Chen. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. We are going to get through the book of Ecclesiastes tonight. We're going to do it. Last time we had a power outage, and uh, I, I didn't get too far in my notes, so I was thinking of what to do, but it's been so long, I went back, and I don't even remember what was in my notes. Uh, so that the first time we went through, we got through uh, chapter 7. And then the last time we started, we started in chapter 8. And uh, so chapter 8 through 12 is, is what we're going to do. I want to recap with you because it's, it's important to see how it all culminates in the end. And I know that Ecclesiastes is a book that many of us have struggled with. We want to know exactly what it's talking about. Um, it's, it's a difficult book to read through. It can be very dis- discouraging. It can be really depressing uh, when you see what Solomon is saying. Remember, Solomon is the writer. And uh, tell you what, let's go ahead and remind ourselves. Um, I should have had Brother Rusty read it, but I told him we weren't going to do it. But you know what, we'll go ahead and do it. Chapter 1, chapter one. let's remind ourselves of how he prefaces uh, this entire book here. Uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem... Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What profit hath a man of all his labor which he taketh under the sun? Lord, help us during our study. Help us to be able to understand the main message of Ecclesiastes and see how it applies to our life even today. Lord, I believe that there is no other book in the Bible that, that brings forward the truth that Ecclesiastes brings forward in such, a, in such a clear way. So I ask that we would grasp that in our minds and that we would always uh, see this book as, a, as an honest book, as a book that teaches an incredibly deep truth that we must all understand. And I ask this in your name. Amen. So when you start reading Ecclesiastes, it becomes very clear very quickly that Solomon is having a hard time. This is David's son. This is a young man who knows better. This is a young man who was raised in a Christian, you could say, I I use that being our term today, but let's say a, a spiritual home. This is a young man who was taught by the man after God's own heart. But when you read Ecclesiastes, that's not what you're seeing. You are seeing a man who has completely lost his view of eternity. He is focusing only on this life. And what is he coming to? What is the conclusion? Since he is under this false idea that that this life is all there is, seriously? If this life is all there is, Solomon is saying, "This this is it? Then this is boring then this is not worth it. Then this is of no profit. This is vanity. Now remember, what's his key word? I just said it. What's the key word throughout the book he keeps saying over and over? Vanity. What is he using that word for? He's talking about how life is, is empty. He's talking about how life is confusing. He's talking about how life is dissatisfying. 
So no matter what I do, what did he first try to do? I, I'm going to get as much wisdom as I can. He tries to learn about plants and animals and all of this earthly wisdom, and it doesn't get him anywhere. Now, he becomes more wise than any other man in Jerusalem and in, in, in the history of Jerusalem. And he says, but it was all vanity to me. It was all vexation of spirit. The more I knew, the more sorrowful I was. So forget about learning. I'm going to have fun. And he, gets, he drinks and he uh, amasses all this wealth and possessions. And he honestly just relaxes. And he says, even that is vanity. Because he starts building all these cities and these buildings. And he said, every single thing that my eye wanted, everything that my heart wanted, I gave it to it. I withheld nothing from it. So, but it was all vanity and vexation of spirit. He starts looking at all these buildings and all of these things that he possesses, and he thinks, one day I'm going to die. And I'm going to die just like the fool dies. And what if I leave all of this behind to somebody who doesn't care? What if I leave all of this behind to somebody? I worked my entire life for this, and I'm going to leave it behind to somebody who didn't work a second for it. That doesn't make any sense to me. And throughout the entire book, he is bringing out this idea that life, what's the key phrase? What's the key phrase? Do you remember? Under the sun. Talking about this, this life right here, this earth. Life under the sun is vanity. And he is pressing that issue hard. And he brings up a lot of things that are hard to hear. But in a lot of ways, they're true. Now, he's coming at it with the wrong viewpoint. But think about it. What, what are some of the things that he's saying? You can work your entire life for something, but you're going to die, and it doesn't matter what you accomplish because of the constant march of time and because of the order of the universe. One day, everybody is going to forget that you even existed. Well, that's really depressing, but it's true. And then he says, you know, think about when you really love something. Well, the more you love something, the more you want it. But then the more you want something, when you finally get it, the less satisfied you are with it. You think it's so good that you're amassing all this wealth. Well, whenever you amass wealth, more mouths are going to line up behind you that you need to feed with it. How about, you may think that authority is where you're going to find your purpose in life. Well, someone is always going to have more authority than you. Now, think about Solomon. Really, who had more, more authority as far as political authority than he did? Probably no one. And yet, he gave his strength unto women. Those ladies had more authority over him than he had over everybody else. And he's pointing that out. You might think that the more wealth that you have is going to bring purpose in life. Well, you're going to leave this earth just the way you came into it. You might think that authority is where you're going to find purpose in life. But you know what? The more power you have, actually, the more dangerous it is to you. He brings that out in one of the chapters. I think we're going to come up to it. I, th I think it's even in chapter, in chapter 8. Look in chapter 8, verse 9. All this have I seen and applied my heart unto every work that is done under the sun. There is a time wherein one man ruleth over another to his own hurt. 
he's talking about the fact that you have no power over what happens in your life. Does anybody, when death comes knocking at your door, can you tell death, no, not now? Does anybody have power over their spirit or over their life to keep their life when it's time for your life to go? No, you have no power over that. And he's talking in chapter 8 about, about authority and kings and all of this and how the king has authority. So look, when you're, when you're in this life, a wise person is just going to accept things as they are. It's a foolish thing to be constantly complaining about things that you have no control over. So just accept things for what they are. You'll be happier. Now, does that make sense with earthly wisdom? If under the sun is all we have, doesn't that make sense? If this is all we've got, why are you going to spend your entire life under the sun complaining about things that you have no control over? Now, that even, I mean, no matter how you look at it, we know, right, we know life under the sun isn't it. So even with the knowledge that life under the sun isn't all there is, that's still good truth. Why are we going to complain and worry about things that we have no control over? You have no power over death. You have no power over people who have power over you. So if your idea is, well, then I just need to get more power, then he brings up, well, the more, honestly, the more power you have, the more it's going to hurt you. And I have seen plenty of people who gain power, power, power to their own hurt. So that's kind of where we left off in chapter 8. And what he starts going over through chapter 8 through the rest of it, he, he kind of calls back what he brought up in chapter 3. Remember what he says in chapter 3? It's probably the most famous passage in Ecclesiastes where it says there is a time for every season or every purpose under the heaven, a time to plant and a time to reap, a time to be born and a time to die. What is, what is the truth that he is bringing out? Look, there is prosperity in life and there is adversity in life. And no matter how you live or what you do, you can't help what time you are in. You can kick and you can scream and you can complain. I don't want to die. I want to be born. Well, if it's time to die, you're going to die. Or I don't want to plant right now. I want to reap. Well, sorry, it's not time to reap. It's time to plant. And you have no control over that. So a wise person is just going to accept things as they are, realize that this life is all you've got. This is a sore travail that God has given to man to be exercised therewith. That's what Solomon says. So just make the best of it. But understand that you are making the best of a bad situation. That's Solomon's viewpoint right now. You can't... Uh, you can't control when it's your time to die. You can't control who has authority over you. Honestly, just accept things as they are. Look in verse 12 through 14 in chapter 8. Though a sinner do evil in hundred times and his days be prolonged, yet surely I know that it shall be well with them that fear God which fear before him. But it shall not be well with the wicked, neither shall he prolong his days, which are as a shadow, because he feareth not before God. Do you see what he's saying? It's, I, I don't understand a lot of things about life, but I know this. I know that somebody who lives in the fear of the Lord 
is going to do well. I know somebody who does not live in the fear of the Lord is not going to prolong his days. But then in verse 14, look at what he says. There is a vanity which is done upon the earth, that there be just men unto whom it happeneth according to the work of the wicked. Again, there be wicked men to whom it happeneth according to the work of the righteous. I said this is also vanity. It makes sense that if you fear the Lord, your life is going to go well, and that if you don't fear the Lord, your life is going to be cut short and it's not going to go well at all. But then Solomon says that's actually not what happens a lot of the time. And it's vanity to me. It doesn't make sense. Look in verse 15 here. Then I commended mirth, because a man hath no better thing under the sun than to eat and to drink, and to be merry, for that shall abide with him of his labor the days of his life, which God giveth him under the sun. We will never understand why life under the sun happens the way it does. Just when you think you understand it, something is going to happen that is going to make you question everything. So stop forgetting, or stop trying to figure it out, and just make the best of it. And in chapter 9, he kind of expounds on what he thinks about life. It says, everything we do is in the hand of God. You have no control over it. And one thing that is going to equalize everybody, maybe you remember me talking about this last time, what is the one great equalizer of, of men? What, does, what is the debt that all men pay? Death. Everybody is going to come to death. He says, think of how all things come alike to all. There is one event that all men face no matter how you live. And that is death. And Solomon says that that's an evil among men. According to Solomon, since this life is all we have, if you live this life well, you should live a long life. And if you don't live this life well, you should live a short life. Now that makes perfect sense with the under the sun perspective. Because if all existence and all consciousness end with death, then the only thing that matters is this present life. And so, therefore, that's all he's focusing on. And he reiterates that throughout the rest of chapter 9. Just eat and drink and be merry. Enjoy this life of vanity. Everything you do, do it with your might because when you die, there's nothing else you can do. But don't waste your time trying to figure life out. He says the race isn't always to the swift. The battle isn't always to the strong. Wise people aren't always cared for. Time and chance happeneth to them all. All can be going well, and in a moment, your life can change and you have no control over it. Chapter 10. He brings out a truth that, again, is depressing, but it is true. And he actually begins it from chapter 9 in verse 18. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroyeth much good. And then in chapter 10, he says, I want you to think about a barrel of ointment that smells really good. Put a few dead flies in that ointment, and it's going to stink up the entire thing. It's going to ruin it. So wisdom is great and all, and living your life to the best of your ability is great. But another thing that bothers him, he says, you can live your life only known for your wisdom. Let's say you lived 100 years, and you lived 99 of those years according to wisdom, but you lived one of them in a foolish way. That one year living foolishly will undo everything that you did in the 99 years of living wisely. And think about how David ruined his kingdom with one foolish decision. 
and how Moses was brought to the depths of despair in the backside of the desert of Midian because of one foolish decision. There are men who have lived their lives, and what Solomon is bringing out is the vanity of life is on full display in the fact that things take years, decades to build up and seconds to tear down. And that may not seem fair, but it is very true. Now, listen, I, he is hammering this point home for a reason. And if you stick with me to the end, you'll see why he's doing it. And right now it's like, Solomon, we get it. All right, life is depressing and you think it's unfair and, and all of this. We understand. No, 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 he's doing this for a reason, okay? And since you only have one shot at life, Solomon says, you should probably do your best to make sure that you don't mess it up. And here's what he brings out in chapter 10. He, he says, here are some things that you can do that will just make life easier. First of all, he says, learn to be patient with people in authority that have no business with being, that have no business being in authority. He says, I have seen servants riding on horses and I have seen princes walking like servants. It's just a part of life. So just learn to be patient with those people. He brings out the fact that life is dangerous. He says, so you need to be wise and you need to be cautious. Don't be foolish. He starts listing off all these foolish things that people do. Digging a pit and then falling in it. Breaking a hedge and a serpent biting him. Uh, removing stones from a property line only to have the stone roll over and crush him. Chopping wood with a dull axe. He says, why don't you sharpen the axe? And what is he bringing out? Life is hard enough as it is. And life can come to a screeching halt at any moment. Don't invite trouble by being foolish. What are the famous last words? Watch this. He says, don't, don't do that. He says, learn how to speak wisely. Don't be foolish with your, with your words. That will make life easier for you if you learn how to speak wisely. Learn how to work. Don't be lazy. Don't be foolish. He talks about leaders who only care about partying and all these things. He's like, you know what, leaders? Go ahead and party. But if you don't work, one day you're going to run out of money. And when you run out of money, the party's over. So you need to learn how to work. And he calls out the fact that a lot of leaders just kind of sit back and relax and take advantage of being a leader. And instead of leading in the work, they just kind of relax and let other people do the work for them. And he calls them out on that. In chapter 11, he says, learn to be generous. Learn not to waste your time trying to predict the unpredictable. He mentions someone who wants to sow seed, but it's windy outside. So they come out, oh, I really need to sow the seed because it's coming up on the end of my uh, sowing time, but it's windy out, and if I sow right now with the wind, I might lose some seed. So I'm going to wait for a better day. And he calls them out in that. He talks about people who maybe during harvest time, they want to come out and harvest, but they look out into the, into the sky and they see clouds. And they think, oh, I can't harvest today because it might rain, and if it rains, I might lose some of my crops, so I'm going to wait for a better day. And Solomon brings out, look, okay, you're waiting for a perfect day. What if that perfect day never comes? Why don't you just do what you're supposed to do? And why don't you just make the best of what you have? And then let's say that that perfect day does come. That doesn't guarantee that everything is going to go right with your sowing and your reaping. So, and that's some truth right there because a lot of people, oh, I'm not going to serve the Lord until this happens. What if that never happens? Oh, I will join the church. Oh, I'll be more faithful. I'll start reading my Bible when this clears up in my schedule. What if it never clears up in your schedule? 
But you know a lot of times what happens is you say, Lord, as soon as my schedule clears up on this day, I am going to do this. And then your schedule clears up and you think of all the other things that you can do with that clear schedule. So Solomon brings out the truth. Why don't you just do what you're supposed to do now? Because you have no control over that perfect day. What if it's windy tomorrow? What if it's still raining tomorrow? Why don't you just do what you are supposed to do? Where are we at now? We're, we're in chapter 11, right? Chapter 11. Look in verse 7 and 8. This is where he concludes the largest section of the book of him supporting his idea. What's his idea again? That life under the sun is vanity. That's his idea. Well, here's how he concludes it in verse 7 and 8. Truly the light is sweet, and a pleasant thing it is for the eyes to behold the sun. But if a man live many years and rejoice in them all, yet let him remember the days of darkness, for they shall be many. All that cometh is vanity. That's how he ends this section. And throughout this entire section, Solomon has used his personal experience, his years of observation, to support this idea that life under the sun is vanity. He's given some very practical, helpful, even truthful ideas throughout it all. But even a broken clock is right twice a day. Up to this point, Solomon has been adamant in his idea that life under the sun is all you get. And because that's the case, make the most of it, but don't expect to be satisfied with it. Enjoy it while it lasts. Learn to deal with the trouble and the questions and the pain that come along with it. Don't waste your time trying to figure it out. Don't waste your energy getting upset with how unfair it is. Soon you're going to be dead, and it's all going to be over. So just enjoy it. Thanks, Solomon. <laughs> And what does he say? What's in our right pocket? What is his impression? It's the gift of God. That is what God has given to us, just enjoying this life. And in chapter 11, verse 9, he seems to go to hammer that home one last time. But look at what happens. There is a huge transition in this verse. Let's read it together. Not out loud, but just, just follow along with me. Chapter 11, verse 9. Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth, and let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth, and walk in the ways of thine heart, that deceitful, desperately wicked heart. Walk in its ways. In the sight of thine eyes, just go ahead and walk in it. But know thou that for all these things God will bring thee into judgment. Whoa, what do we have here? Here we have the preacher's idea refuted. I don't have the beginning of my notes, but I had, I had broken it all up. It was the preacher's idea presented, I think, and then the preacher's idea supported. And now we have the preacher's idea refuted. In one verse, he takes all of his previous arguments and he crushes them by saying, I was wrong. In one verse. So if you miss that verse, that's why a lot of people miss what's going on in Ecclesiastes. But in one verse, he says, I was wrong. There will be a judgment. There is an eternity. 
So he's saying in verse 9, go ahead and live how you want and follow your heart and do what you please. That's exactly what I did. You will never be satisfied and know that one day you will stand before God for it. Look in verse 10. Therefore, remove sorrow from thy heart and put away evil from thy flesh. For childhood and youth are vanity. When you believe that this life is all there is, then childhood and youth are everything. That's when you can do most of your stuff. That's when you can set yourself up for life. But this life isn't all there is. So spending your childhood and youth, your, your strength, all of your, what's strengthful isn't a word, your strongest goodness, all of your strongest days, spending your childhood and your youth only serving yourself. When there is more to this life, that is nothing but vanity. In chapter 12, verse 1, he says, why don't you instead do this? Instead of spending your days as a youth and as a child only living for yourself, why don't you do this? Remember thy creator in the days of thy youth. While the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. Before you grow old and bitter like me, is what he's saying. A lot of people say that Solomon wrote the Song of Solomon when he was young and in love. He wrote Proverbs when he was kind of at the height of his wisdom. And he wrote Ecclesiastes after he messed everything up. He says, don't follow in my footsteps. Don't spend your youthful days only living for this life. That's what I did. And I was wrong. Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. Before the days come where you take no more pleasure in this life. Remember him before life grows dark and dim. And remember him before it's too late. Now listen, when you do live for the Lord and when you do remember your creator in the days of your youth, when your life grows old, it doesn't grow worse. It grows better. Because you can look back on your life and say, I didn't waste it. But Solomon is an old man looking back and thinking, I wasted it. That's why it's dark and dim for him. What's contained in verse 3 through 6 is a poetic description of growing old. So he starts the chapter by saying, remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. Before the day, look at what he says in verse 3. In the day when the keepers of the house shall tremble. Many people believe he's talking about his arms and his hands. So gentlemen, you can call these, the, these are the keepers of the house, right? Small house. How about this one? What do you think this one is? The strong men shall bow themselves. Legs. How about this one? The grinders cease because they are few. And those that look out of the windows be darkened, your eyes dimming. The door shall be shut in the streets when the sound of the grinding is low, when the sound, your ears failing. How about this? 
And he shall rise up at the voice of a bird. Even though you're losing your hearing, the smallest thing wakes you up. And the mourners go about the streets. The daughters of music shall be brought low. When you approach death with the idea that this life is all there is, you have no joy. What joy is there? You're coming to the end of your rope and that's it. He talks about fear growing with age. He talks about hair turning white. He, talk, he compares it to an almond tree blossoming. The hair turns white. He talks about being disheartened by others who still have their strength. He talks about losing desire to work. Solomon is saying this, when you have your whole life ahead of you, don't waste your life by only living for this life. Because one day you will die. And look in verse 7. Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the spirit shall return unto God who gave it. So remember him when you're young. Live for him while you have strength and vitality. Stop living for things that will never bring satisfaction in this life. And then we come to our last section, the preacher's idea concluded. Look in verse 8. Vanity of vanity, saith the preacher, all is vanity. He's not falling back into it. He's recapping. That was his idea. And for a while, he truly believed it. And in verse 9 and 10, he basically brings out, even through this time of taking his eyes off eternity, he still attempted to teach his people knowledge, and he did. He didn't teach them that knowledge by proving that this life is vanity. He taught them knowledge by being honest about his mistake in believing that this life was all there is. That's the entire book. This is what I believed. These were all my conclusions. And now I'm going to make it clear at the end that I was wrong. He's being honest about it. So what is the message of Ecclesiastes? If this life is all there is, then live it up, man. Enjoy it. Enjoy it while it lasts. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. But never expect to be satisfied by it. All is vanity. However, if you believe that this life is all there is, you're wrong. You're wrong. There is an eternity, and there will be a judgment. Every single person here, you will stand before God one day, and you will give an account of how you live this life under the sun. If you believe that this life is it, you're going to waste your life living only for this life, and you'll answer to God for it. Because the only thing that gives this life any purpose is eternity. Why did God make man? God made man so that we could fellowship with him for eternity. That is our purpose. Sin complicated that purpose didn't destroy the purpose, complicated the purpose. But that's why immediately in Genesis 3.15, God says, I already have a plan of redemption to restore what you just messed up in the garden. Read everything we lost in Genesis chapter 3 and read Revelation 22. God gives it all back. And that is why God says, I go to prepare a place for you, not here, but in eternity, that where I am, there ye may be also. Eternity is where we will finally be able to truly 
fulfill our purpose. And that is why when we fellowship with God here, it's so special because it's a piece of heaven on earth. It's what heaven is going to be. So go ahead and spend your life under the sun only trying to please yourself or trying to figure out what can't be explained or complaining about how unfair it is. You're wasting your time. And when you waste your time under the sun, you will be judged for it above the sun. Now wait, what are we supposed to believe here? I mean, as strongly as Solomon seemed to advocate that this life is all there is, now he's advocating that this life isn't all there is. So which idea is right? Well, what does God have to say about the matter? Look in verse 11. Have we found Jesus in the book of Ecclesiastes yet? We're about to. Look in verse 11. The words of the wise are as goads. You know what a goad is? The shepherd had his staff and had the hook on one end where you could kind of get a sheep and bring him in. But on the end, it had a sharp point. Or have you heard of an ox goad that a man would use to poke the ox if it wasn't moving the plow in the right way? The words of the wise, ooh, they hurt. Okay, keep reading. Verse 11, and as nails fastened by the masters of assemblies, which are given from one shepherd. I wonder who that is. And further by these, my son, be admonished, uh, be admonished. Of making many books, there is no end. And much study is a weariness of the flesh. Amen, academy students. Much study is a weariness of the flesh. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. You read Ecclesiastes, and it is not easy to hear that life under the sun is vanity. We know that there is an eternity. But a lot of times you live this life and you think, what in the world is going on? It makes no sense. It's difficult. It's confusing. It's hard to admit that the constant march of time and the order of this universe will one day erase everything we accomplished in this life. It's difficult to accept that we will never understand how life under the sun works. It's perplexing to realize that you could write millions of books about one subject and never exhaust the viewpoints and the arguments that can be made for or against that subject. It's depressing to look at this life and see that all of our pursuits, all of our labors, all of our enjoyments under the sun are altogether vanity and vexation of spirit. They will never, ever, ever satisfy. That's hard. But, is it so hard to believe that maybe, just maybe, our loving shepherd designed this life to be that way? To help us see that satisfaction can only be found in fearing and following him. Could it be? That life is more 
than just a sore travail that God gives men to be exercised therewith. Could it be that God is trying to show us through the vanity of this life that you could drink an ocean of water under the sun, but you will always thirst again? But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. Could it be that God is trying to teach us instead of laying up treasures for yourself on earth where moths and rust corrupt and where thieves can break through and steal, why don't you lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where you don't have to worry about those things? But what if there isn't a heaven? What if this life is all there is? What if this is our portion? What if life under the sun, what's in our right pocket, is the gift of God? What if that is true? But is it true? The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The book of Ecclesiastes asks this question. What is the purpose of life here? And here's our answer. Life here has no purpose apart from Jesus and eternity. Everything under the sun is empty and hollow. You will only find purpose in seeking that which is above the sun. And when we fail to live wholly for Christ, we will not only face judgment, our lives are going to be empty. Living for self is always to live in vain. The soul's only satisfaction is found in fearing and following our shepherd. You know why? Because it is only when the Lord is your shepherd that you shall not want. I hope we will never look at Ecclesiastes the same again. There is no book that teaches this truth clearer than Ecclesiastes, that this life is not all there is. So don't live even a day living only for here. It's wasted time. That will never bring satisfaction. The only thing that can bring satisfaction to your soul is fearing and following the one who died for you. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.